Whoa. Come on, let's try it again. Good morning, Discovery. There it is. That's what I like to hear. My name is Roly Resendez. I am the associate pastor and the worship pastor here at the church. Um, and as you saw from the video, we are starting our, our second week in our new series called Bodybuilding with the goal of becoming healthy families, healthy, healthy people, healthy families, and a healthy church. And, you know, the goal behind this is not just for us to look inward and to become healthy, but we want to become healthy so that we are more effective at spreading the gospel. We want to be healthy so that we are better at going out to where God has placed us to spread the gospel and make disciples. If you were in a discovery group, and if you're not, I would strongly encourage you to be in one. If you were in a discovery group this week, you got to watch a video that talked about the up, in, and the out. And this really kind of embodies what we're doing. We want to grow in our relationships up with Christ. We want to grow in our relationships in with our church family, our spiritual family. And we also want to grow in our relationships out in the community and how we spread the gospel. And so that's what we're doing. Um, We're going through these eight topics talking about church health. And as a a leadership team, as a staff, elders, teaching team, we went through these topics and we thought, okay, which are the ones that we really want to grow in? We kind of recognize which are the ones that we aren't very good at and we need to teach on, and which are the ones that we think we do fairly well and want to encourage um, and kind of help grow more. And so the feedback that I received was that worship is something that we do well. This morning's topic is worship and wonder, or an inspiring worship service. And what I've been told is that we do worship well, and I I have to be honest, I agree. I think that we are a very worshipful bunch of people, that we love worship, which is good since we're created to do that, and we're going to spend eternity doing that. Um, But even before I came here, about four years ago, before I was on staff, um, I had just kind of started the conversation with, with John Riker about being on staff. My wife and I snuck in for a church service. We sat in the very back corner up there because we wanted to see, well, what is Discovery like? And I remember telling her as we were leaving, man, they've got a great culture of worship there. And so I was really excited to come and be a part of that. And so this is something that we are really good at. And so this morning, we're going to talk about it. We're actually not going to spend a lot of time talking about worship. We're actually going to spend more time practicing worship. We're going to get to actually do some more worship today. Um, yeah, who's, who gave a little woot-woot? I like that. There we go. Um, so we're going to spend some time worshiping this morning. Uh, before we do that, though, I do want to give you just a little bit of information. So I want to define worship for you. This is how discovery defines worship. The gathering of God's people for the purpose of teaching the word, singing praises, praying for, and encouraging one another with the goal of being disciples who make disciples of Christ. And we get this from Colossians 3, 16, where it says, let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs. And so if I could sum up the vision that I have for worship here at Discovery in one statement, it would be that worship is the fuel for our discipleship. That when we gather here and we sing praises to God, and the word is preached, and we pray, and we fellowship, and we're in community, that we are filled up for the purpose of going out and pouring out into the community to make disciples, to be more effective at making disciples. Um, We come here, our our affections are stirred for Christ, and our, our spiritual fire is rekindled. Often, we come into Sunday morning, we're worn out from the week. We live in a lost culture that just beats you up left and right, and you come in tired, And the purpose of what we're doing is to be encouraged, to be filled up, so that you can go out and pour out. Um, I believe that God wants us to worship him, not because he needs it, but because we need it. God is not some deity who's needy, who says, oh, I've had a bad week. Will you guys please worship me? 
No, he doesn't need that, but he knows that we need it, and that by coming together and worshiping him, we are filled up. And so I believe that here at Discovery, we are good at worshiping. I'll tell you something that worship is not here at Discovery. It's not about being entertained. It's not about hearing your favorite song and it's, or about hearing your favorite preacher. Those are things that we are not interested in. And you can ask anybody who is part of the worship ministry that one of the things I say to them often is I am more interested in your character than I am in your competency. I'm far more interested in your desire to grow in Christ-likeness and to be a disciple than I am at how good you are at your instruments. So this morning, we're going to do things a little bit different. We're going to talk about worship. Last week, Pastor Jeff said that we should reject any other idea that we have about church. And I want you to embrace that because we're not going to do things like normal. I'm only going to talk for a few more minutes. We're going to spend some time talking about why we worship. And there are a lot of reasons why we worship, but I'm only going to talk about one. I'm going to talk about worship as an act of surrender. And then we're going to actually practice that. We're going to worship as an act of surrender. And then Kevin Miller is going to come up, and he's going to talk about worship through prayer and confession. And when he's finished, we're going to actually practice worshiping through prayer and confession. And then uh, Caleb and Rebecca Egley are going to come up, and they're going to talk about worship as an act of celebration. And then we're going to worship as an act of celebration. So it's going to look a little bit different this morning, but I encourage you to embrace that, to reject any other idea of what church is supposed to look like because we get to make it look like whatever we want, right? Because the Holy Spirit is here with us, which means we are inspired and we are encouraged and we should be excited to worship. So I'm just gonna quickly talk to you a little bit about worship as an act of surrender. So surrender is not, I would say, an idea that's very popular in our, our culture. We don't like not being in control. I think a lot of times our mindset is we want to win, succeed, overcome, conquer, right? Like our, our, our sports teams don't go out with the idea of losing. They want to dominate. They want to win. But what the Bible teaches us is that we should yield. We should submit. We should obey. and We should surrender. And so I want to outline three ways that worship is surrender. First off, um, surrender is a response to God's love and mercy, John 3.16 tells us that for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him won't perish but will have everlasting life. God loves us so much that he gave us our only son. As a father, I can't even fathom giving up my only son for anything, but yet God loved us so much that he gave his only son for us. Psalms 145, 8-9 says, The Lord is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and rich in love. The Lord is good to all he has compassion on all he has made. When we come before God in a, in a heart of surrender and we worship, we acknowledge that God loves us. He loves us so much. He cares for us. And so I encourage you this morning as we are worshiping to remember that, that God loves you more than you can even fathom. The second thing I want to point out is that um, surrender is an acknowledgement that God has a plan for your life. God has a plan for our life. Jeremiah 29, 11 says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and to not harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. We don't like not being in control, but what this tells us is that God has a plan, that he wants you to prosper. He wants you to have hope. And so when we come to God in an act of worship, in a heart of surrender, we acknowledge that God has a plan for you. Even when we don't understand it, even when it's hard for us to let it go, God has a plan. So we remember that God loves us, he's had mercy on us, and he has a plan for us. The third thing that I want to point out is that surrender is an act of trust and is done daily. Luke 9, 23 says, Then he said to them all, 
Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. This one's hard. We have a hard time letting go and trusting that God is in control and that God has a plan for us and that God loves us. But it's something that the scriptures tell us we should do daily, that daily we should lay down our cross and say, God, I trust you because I know that you love me. I know that you have a plan for me. And every day I'm going to acknowledge that. And so this morning, like I said, we're going to do things different. I'm going to invite the band to come back up because we're going to get ready to enter into a, a time of worship. But as we do that, I encourage you this morning to worship from a place of surrender. What plans have you been holding on to? Have you acknowledged how much God loves you and the plan that he has for you, the mercy that he's had on you? I would encourage you this morning to worship from a place of submission and surrender, putting your trust in God. And remember that he loves you so much that he gave his only son for you, that he has a plan for you, and that you can trust him. So I want to invite you to stand, because this is a moment, this is a time when I want us all to participate in worship, where we think about what it means to be surrendered, and we're going to sing about surrender, about giving our lives to God, about trusting God. So let me pray for us. Dear Heavenly Father, God, we acknowledge that, that you love us that you love us so much that you sent your son for us so that we might have hope, that we might have an opportunity to know you better. And God, I, I pray that as we come to you and worship this morning, God, that we would lift our hands high acknowledging that you are in control, that you love us, that you have a plan for us, and that we can trust you because you're good. So God, we give you this time and we pray that your Holy Spirit would come and wash over us and allow us to worship you and be filled. In your name I pray, amen. All right, well, uh, my name is Kevin Miller, and I don't think that I need to convince anyone in this room that we should worship God. Uh, even if you're here and, and maybe you're not a normal church goer, you don't consider yourself a Christian, I think you would agree uh, that, that God uh, the creator and ruler of the universe is someone who should be worshipped. And yet, there are many reasons why we might not. Even this morning as we're singing, there, there might be things that are holding you back from actually worshipping him. Whether they're, they're worries and concerns from this week or, or sin, there are things that are holding us back. And so part of our worship must be prayer and confession. And I'm going to explain what we mean by that. First, Psalm 130. Out of the depths I cry to you, O Lord. O Lord, hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive to the voice of my pleas for mercy. If you, O Lord, should mark iniquities, O Lord, who could stand? But with you there is forgiveness that you may be feared. I wait for the Lord, my soul waits, and in his word I hope. My soul waits for the Lord more than watchmen for the morning, more than watchmen for the morning. O Israel, hope in the Lord, for with the Lord there is steadfast love, and with him is plentiful redemption, and he will redeem Israel from all his iniquities. Worship is an act of surrender that includes all of our life. Every area of our life comes under his rule and reign. Nothing is off limits. So part of our regular worship of God must be prayer and confession. Now, what do, what do we mean by that? What is prayer? 
uh, define prayer as personal, communicative response to the knowledge of God. Now, that's a really wordy definition. You guys all know intuitively what prayer is. Prayer is personal. It is, it is us talking to, communicating to God. So listen to the psalmist in verses one and two. He says, out of the depths, I cry to you, O Lord. O Lord, hear my voice. This is a man who is pleading with God and it is personal and it is intimate. And prayer is communicative. Prayer is, is us continuing the conversation that God has started. One of the most amazing things about the Bible is that it is not just written generally, but written specifically. If you've ever read the Bible and thought, man, that feels like it was written for me, it's because it was. It's because God is communicating to you through his written word. Prayer is a continuation of that conversation. God reveals himself in scripture and we respond. God says, seek my face. And we say, yes, Lord, I will seek you. He says, pour out your hearts to me. And we say, yes, Lord, I have a lot to pour out. He says, ask him for big things. We say, okay, Lord, I'll ask. When we read our Bibles and hear his voice and respond in prayer, we worship him. We also worship him in confession. Now, by confession, I mean this, admission of guilt and acceptance of forgiveness. Confession is when we take our guilt and our shame and everything we've ever done wrong, everything that we hope nobody will know, and we take it to God and we mourn and we lament before him. Oh God, what have I done? I've sinned against you. You are, are holy and perfect and I, I'm unclean. I need your forgiveness, Lord. We take our sin, we take our guilt, and we take it to the cross where Jesus, the Son of God, died in our stead. And then we leave it there. We walk away, we leave our sin and our guilt and our shame and our brokenness, and we leave it with Jesus knowing that he has already paid the penalty for it. Hopefully you know by now, if you're part of Discovery, that Christianity is not about being a good person. It's not about becoming a better person. And I think when we approach worship, we often think, I need to be a good person to worship God. I need to have my act together before I pray. I need to get my sin under control before I worship freely. That's not Christianity. Christianity is about realizing that we are not good people. We never will be. And so we leave our sin at the cross. First John says, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Our part in this process is to confess, to say, God, I know I, I see it, I recognize it, and I hate it. And his promise is to forgive and to cleanse. And this, this is a promise that has no limit. Whether it's the first time or the millionth time, this promise has no end. Confession should change us. We, we come to God dirty and we leave clean. We, we come guilty and we leave forgiven. We come in despair and we leave with joy. 
Tim Keller says this. He says, if regular confession does not produce an increased confidence and joy in your life, then you do not understand the salvation by grace, the essence of faith. Guys, this is central that we worship God by, by coming to him and laying it all out and saying, God, I understand, I know, I need forgiveness. Confession is admission of guilt, accepting of forgiveness. Prayer is a personal communication with God. So why? Why must these be integral in our worship? Why must this be a daily habit? Because the reality is we need him. On our worst days, we need God. And on our best days, we desperately need God. There is never a day, never an hour where we are not dependent upon him for all good things. We need him. Psalm 130, verses three and four, the psalmist says this. He says, if you, God, should mark iniquities, if you should keep track of my sin, if you should keep a tally of my wrong, who could stand? Who has any hope if you are to keep track of our wrongs? But with you, God, there is forgiveness. This needs to be our regular cry. God, if, if you kept track of my sins, I wouldn't be here. I don't belong here. I don't have a place before you. My sins have earned me death. My sins have earned me separation from you in hell. That's what my sins have earned me. But God, with you, there's forgiveness. With you, there is hope. We need him, so in worship, let us draw near to him. Hebrews 4 says this, let us then with confidence, with confidence, draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. When is our time of need? Always. So when should we draw near to him? Always. In prayer and in confession, whether it's the first time or the millionth, draw near. Jesus is longing to meet us with grace and mercy. Draw near to God. Let us confess our sins. Let us pray for strength. Bring our requests, our prayers, our complaints. He is worthy and he can take all of it. And he knows. So we are gonna have another time of worship. And this time is meant for you guys to apply this concept of prayer and confession. So we're gonna have a couple things going on. Uh, we're gonna have members of our prayer team up here. If you'd like to pray with another person, uh, please come up, uh, receive prayer. They, they will pray with you, they will pray for you. If you feel like, I just don't have the words, let them come and give you some words to pray. If you wanna just sit in your seat and just pray personally, you can do that. If you wanna pray with your, your family, your, your friends who are here with you, you can do that. We're also gonna have a communion available at the tables. So communion is an opportunity for us to remember the cross of Jesus, to remember that his body was broken for our brokenness, that his blood was shed for the blood that we've spilled. For our sins, they have been covered in him. And so we come, we eat, we drink, and we remember Jesus' sacrifice. One more time, Psalm 130. Out of the depths I cry to you, O Lord. Lord, hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive to the voice of my pleas for mercy. If you, O Lord, should mark iniquities, O Lord, who could stand? But with you there is forgiveness that you may be feared. I wait for the Lord. My soul waits, and in his word I hope. My soul waits for the Lord. 
more than a watchman for the morning, more than a watchman for the morning. And this is for you guys. Discovery Christian Church, hope in the Lord. For with the Lord there is steadfast love. With him is plentiful redemption, redemption that will never run out. And he will redeem us. Discovery Christian Church in Davis, California, 2017. He will redeem from all of our sin, from all of our brokenness. He will fix. He will heal. Let me pray as we worship God. Great. Well, good morning, Discovery Church. I should say good morning, Discovery family. I think that's the series we're in. Yeah. So good morning, family. Um, I'm Rebecca Egley, and this is my husband, Caleb Egley. Um, and we are here to talk about celebration. We're excited to celebrate with all of you this morning, and I hope you've been enjoying this special time of worship. Um, you know, we're going to cover three main points about uh, what it means to celebrate in worship this morning, but this is such a wonderful topic. Um, there's so much we could say here. I would really encourage you to continue to reflect on this um, as we leave here today. Um, so humans have been asking for a long time, what is my purpose? What is my purpose on this earth? Um, and one of the great answers to that question is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. <laughs> Celebration in worship expresses our joy in who God is and give thanks to him for what he's done. Um, you know, C.S. Lewis once wrote that all enjoyment spontaneously overflows into praise. In other words, we praise the things that we enjoy, the things that we love. Um, the world is really full of worship. You know, we praise everything from our favorite coffee place uh, to our kids sometimes. Um, you know, we, we praise bands that we like, um, that fantasy football thing that you guys do. I don't understand it, but you guys are excited about it a lot. Um, you know, we, we really praise the things that we love. We can't help it. It just comes out of us. Um, how much more should we praise God, who's given us every good thing um, and given us freedom through grace? Yeah, that's right. And this morning as we were uh, surrendering and confessing and praying, just reminded me that, that for all of us who come into the presence of God, he shows himself. And when he shows himself to us, what we see of him and who he is, what we receive from him and his love and forgiveness, that's what erupts into our celebration. We can't help but be thankful and just pour out our gratitude to him for what he's done for us. And that celebration is just delighting in God. And a lot of times in church, when we use the word worship or praise, what we're thinking about is this Sunday morning service. And we're really thankful uh, for the worship team. We're thankful for the opportunity to, to come together. But that joy also overflows in any act of trust and obedience throughout our week, every day. Um, we can celebrate God through obedience in giving and serving and working. Even, I think, Jesus sleeping in a boat during a terrible storm is 
an example to us of how to overflow in our trust of God. Sometimes that joy is right at the surface. It's overflowing in, a, in an emotional way. Uh, but sometimes we make a choice. We have to make a choice to celebrate. Even as we weep, we feel numb, we feel distant from God, we can still make that choice. And all that he's done for us is a reflection of his character, and his character hasn't changed. And the circumstances that we're going through don't change who he is, and we can still celebrate. And then our last point is uh, that throughout Scripture, there's a command for us to, to worship God. There's a command for us to celebrate. We see it uh, all over Scripture, especially in the Psalms. And this is not so that God can receive something, as Roly said before. It's something for us. It's so that we can receive the presence of God. He is worthy of our praise. He certainly deserves uh, our praise for what he's done. But even in the act of celebrating him, we receive back from him. And that worship glorifies God, and it fuels our lives as disciples of Christ. Um, and I also want to say that that's not just true for us as individuals, it's true for us as a church, that we celebrate together as a church because of what God has done for us as a family. And as brothers and sisters in the church, we can remind each other of what God has done. That's an example of exhortation. Peter, when he writes in 2 Peter chapter 3, says, I'm writing to stir up your sincere mind by way of reminder. And we do that through singing these songs together. We can do that in our small groups, remembering what God has done. We build one another up in that. And I want to close out um, my section this morning uh, just talking about a, a kind of a personal story that I hope will serve as, a, as an exhortation. Um, Rebecca and I were engaged for a little over a year, and for almost that entire year, she was living in London. I was back in Kansas City. And about three quarters of the way through the year, I was just feeling the, the weight of the, the emotion of the, the separation. I know Rebecca was feeling that way too. Uh, and just feeling really angry and frustrated. And I was in my parents' basement by myself, angry with God, um, and letting him know that I was angry with him. <laughs> and he reminded me that, that uh, he was worth celebrating. And I chose to put on some music as David Crowder, a song called Church Music, and it starts by just saying, dance if you're wounded. And that's how I felt. Um, but some of you who, uh, who know me really well might not be surprised that I did actually dance. <laughs> and it felt really good. Um, only when I'm by myself, but, <laughs> but uh, in the midst of that celebration, in the presence of God, he reminded me that the reason I was frustrated, the reason I was angry was because I was choosing to put my hope in a future marriage and that in, in the relationship and what I thought it would accomplish for me. And I realized uh, that that was foolish. I realized that that would end really poorly for me and that was a, a disservice to my marriage, to our marriage. And I was able in that moment to put my hope back where it belonged in who God is and in relationship with him in eternity. And so all that we've been talking about this morning is a reminder that coming back to God, remembering who he is, is, 
is the point of worship. We truly believe that worshiping God and obeying him is the highest joy that we have in this life. So it's not something that we primarily do because it's commanded to us. Uh, we primarily do it because it is life to us. Awesome. Well, I'm going to round out our portion with reading from Isaiah 12, starting in verse 2. And if you all could stand with me as I read this, I think that would be really fun and exciting. But also, we're going to worship right after this, so that makes sense. Um, and Rolly's going to, after that, lead us out with a few songs to uh, help us celebrate in worship. And I would just encourage you, if you feel like singing, if you feel like dancing, shouting and clapping your hands... You do that because we are worshiping a God that is worthy of our praise. Um, so from Isaiah 12, behold, God is my salvation. I will trust and I will not be afraid for the Lord God is my strength and my song and he has become my salvation. With joy, you will draw water from the wells of salvation, and you will say in that day, give thanks to the Lord, call upon his name, make known his deeds among the peoples, proclaim that his name is exalted, sing praises to the Lord, for he has done gloriously. Let this be made known in all the earth. Shout and sing for joy, O inhabitant of Zion. For great in your midst is the Holy One of Israel. Amen. At your name, the mountain shake and crumble. At your name. Oceans roll. 